0: Episode 15 of the Mungrel Punt podcast. We're taping this on Sunday night immediately after the Carlton and Western Bulldogs game. Can I just say, Mrs. Mungrel, welcome.
1: It's past my bedtime.
0: It is actually. It's past nine o'clock. It's
1: twenty past nine.
0: She's not looking happy. Eighteen past to be exact. But I just want to say, before we begin, thank God for Carlton versus Western Bulldogs because the two games preceding that today were absolutely shockers. And I watched this game thinking, uh uh-oh, it's raining, it's not looking good, we're going to have another shit fest because that's what we saw in the two games prior today. And they actually came out and played some really good football, and kind of renewed faith in the game a little bit, because this weekend, I'm going to get into it a little bit later on, but it hasn't been good at all. And Carlton came out, played football, Western Bulldogs played attacking football as well, and it was actually really fun to watch. I was really happy. Yeah, uh, you know, the result, I tip Western Bulldogs. You tip Western Bulldogs. I'm happy for Carlton. They were really, really good. I'm not, anyway. No, <laughs> you're not at all. So um, we've got every game covered up on our site, or we will, over the next few hours, I suppose. The Blues and the Blues and Dogs just finished, so we'll give our writers a little bit of time to actually write. <laughs> Usually helps. Um, we've had a bit of an exodus in Victoria over the last week. All the teams have buggered off and moved interstate. And it's just been a yeah, very sad time for Victorian football. Not so much for the AFL, but there's a lot of people in Victoria very sad that... That were
1: left th- behind.
0: Yeah, <laughs> what well, can you take us with you? We cover football, get us some sort of interstate passport. Stamp my international one, I don't care. I, well, I think we've got our stamped as Victoria. We're screwed. No one's going to take us anywhere. COVID central. Pretty much. We were locked down last week in our suburb. Now everyone's locked down. Take that, everyone. <laughs> but um, yeah, there's been an exodus and we're just hearing through the media about all these players having to, you know, how sad it is that they're leaving their families and how sad it is that they have to go and all that sort of can stuff. they
1: take their families with them? Or Some they... have. So they
0: can? Some have, yeah. And some have elected not to. I don't know why. not.
1: Oh well, I'll have to make a big show, you know, song and dance about. Oh, I'm so upset to be leaving my family.
0: <laughs> yeah, I think some some players might end up trading away to get away from their family. Oh my god! Some of the Victorian teams are like trade me to West Coast. I don't want to be around my family anymore. Can they, Can we come with you? No, <laughs> they're giving me one ticket. <laughs> Sorry, guys, but I just found it really interesting that we've already had four teams that have been. Uh, basically moved from their home state and that's Port Adelaide, West Coast, Fremantle and Adelaide and it's only now that we're really hearing in the Victorian media in media anyway how terrible it is that these players are being forced to be uprooted and off they go and they're doing great things for the game and so on and so forth but when it was these other four teams there was not a whisper about it uh, Are we Sookie?
1: Is that what's going on? You and on? me? Oh no, yeah I, think, oh, well,
0: I know we are <laughs>
1: But we're Victorian media
0: Yeah, well, you know, I'd expect it to be the same elsewhere Unfortunately, I don't get West Australian media And I don't get South Australian media, you know, pummeled I don't get pummeled by it In Victoria, we get it You know, I suppose the Fox footy studios are in in Victoria So, you know, there's a a large base of the media here You've had media turned away at the Queensland border Which has been great Because (laughs) now they have to cover the football like we do No special privileges, guys
1: Hilarious so
0: yeah, I I'm, I'm just found it very interesting that those guys were making a bit of a song and dance about what a sacrifice it is for some of the players. Yet when the West Coast and Frio players and the Port and the Adelaide players were doing it, it was just seen to be this has to be done, and you're just big doing it. What
1: sacrifice to leave a disease-ridden state
0: and go to Noosa
1: and go somewhere where it's warm and lovely. That's
0: yeah, that's horrible. I'm thinking we should probably make that mis- that that sacrifice for the good of the game as well. Sign me up!
1: I've never loved football
0: more. Yeah, well, you you'd be an asset up there. <laughs> I, I spoke to you about this earlier on. Today we had a, yesterday we had a guy called Luke McDonald, at North Melbourne. He played a ripping game, by the way. He played on a guy called Dylan Shield. Do you know Dylan Shield? Yes. Well, Dylan Shield's been having a ripping year, and Luke, you don't know him at all, <laughs> you liar. Anyway, Dylan Shield <laughs> Dylan Shield's been having a great year. And Luke McDonald was charged with shutting him down. And he did it to great effect. Anyway, as they were leaving the ground, there was a bit of a push and shove. Most of the players were involved. And Luke McDonald and Connor McKenna were involved in a bit of a war of words. At which point, Luke McDonald put his hands over his face like he was trying to protect himself from COVID. (laughs) Now, anyone who's looking at that, you're going to think that it ranges from stupid to funny. But not really all that offensive. I mean... The kids that come into my work—that's their insult. Oh, you've got COVID, so I spit on them and stuff, you know. <laughs> no, but that's the that's the level that it's at. So, you know, on the field, it was just a bit of by play between two players. The AFL has said they're going to be investigating this. That's so dumb. As Why? part of their not as part of their weekly match review, which is you know for incidents on the field, but part of their weekly review of games, they're going to be looking at that.
1: What are they going to investigate and look at? Oh. He pretended that the other guy had COVID and he was protecting himself. That's it. There's nothing to investigate.
0: So my, my barometer for this is I have a look at Twitter and I have a look at Reddit to see how people are responding because people grandstand on those two forums to no end. So it seems to be, especially on Reddit, I'll put it out there so will get a bit of hate, but who cares? On Reddit, people trying to mass the most amount of likes or upvotes, whatever they I love they Reddit and I hate you. I know you love it. <laughs> <laughs> but it seems to be a bit of a race as to who can be the most offended. Yeah. And even people on Reddit were like, this is bullshit. Yeah, this is rubbish. So I'm thinking if the people who are most easily led down that path of being offended aren't offended at all and, and are calling this as rubbish, it has to be the biggest pile of rubbish ever. I get ever. offended
1: all the time. I'm not offended by this. This is funny. If somebody tries to do that to me, i just start sniffling. <laughs>
0: Well, you do anyway. Yeah, I know. You you should start not (laughs) sniffling, and then people would think there's really something wrong.
1: Any antihistamines, and people will be like, "Oh my god!"
0: So you know what? Their investigation should go like this. Luke, did you put your hands over your face and pretend that Connor McKenna had COVID? Yes. Don't do it again. Okay, done. Move on to the next thing.
1: Yeah, that's pretty much. Yeah, but that's that's common sense, and we can't have that.
0: No, well, it's not that common, really. So we'll move on. I showed you some video before, and I understand this is a, an audio medium, so it's not going to translate that well. But there were some big hits this weekend.
1: Just, just on that, do you understand this? Well, is I've, I've been doing it with my because, eyes closed, so I a didn't realise. the time you make, like, actions to demonstrate
0: things. People get the vibe of it.
1: It's,
0: you know, I'm like Dominique Danucci. <laughs> it's the vibe. So there were some big hits on the weekend, and I showed you a few of them. Um, the first one I want to talk about is Ben Long basically knocking out Sean Darcy with... I've slowed this footage down, and it looks like he gets him somewhere between his butt and his ribs. Oh, this is the head butt. Yeah, well, yeah. basically the yeah, big guy is going after the ball. Looks like he's about to lunge at the ball, and Ben Long kind of slides into his way, sticks his butt out, for lack of a better description, and Darcy's face rams into his... Lower back. I'm going to think of it is possibly rib cage. Now, usually when there's a hit like this, it's a guy bunching up. So I'm I'm describing it to you, and I'm actually showing you the actions. <laughs> but he's tucking his elbow into his side so that he doesn't stick his elbow out and accidentally kill the guy. And he either hits him with his arm or his shoulder. In this case, Long has turned his entire body, so he when he makes contact with him, his back is facing Darcy. Darcy kind of pummel or falls into him. You know, just plods along and leans into him. <laughs> and you see his head snap back. Now, the outrage crew were onto this immediately. I think they there were several people calling for Ben Long to be hanged. He'd probably get a little bit worse than that. He might get three weeks, I think. And what's happened is he's been referred straight to the tribunal. So the match review officer hasn't even really graded this. He hasn't gone, well, this was intentional. This was high. This was... You know, severe contact. He hasn't really done any of that. He's basically said, this needs to go straight to the tribunal because it's so severe that I don't feel comfortable making a decision on it.
1: But he turned around. The guy, look, hold on, who are we talking about? So Darcy turned around?
0: No, Ben Long turned ben around. Ben Long
1: turned around and Darcy smacked straight into his butt. Is that what happened? Well,
0: it, it kind of looks that way. You kind of <laughs> it, when, you, when you look at it, Ben Long does step over the ball, right? So you've got to make the ball your objective. Yeah. But plenty of times in a game, you'll see someone do what's called... It's called a shepherd, but they call it now laying a block. Where you kind of block the person's run at the ball.
1: Like Bogut, he just stands there. Yeah,
0: Andrew Bogut used to do some good blocks. They were called screens Screens. in the NBA. for God's sake. Or picks. You can call them picks. Are you getting frustrated? Sports. Sports. You're a sports Mm -hmm. genius. Mm -hmm. So, this is basically like that, except Sean Darcy was off balance and he was falling into it. So, yeah, you know, he's not the most coordinated fella in the world. He's you know, 200 and whatever centimeters tall, nearly as tall as you. Because you're, you're huge.
1: Pretty sure I'm three meters.
0: Three meters, yep, about three meters. And he falls into, his, falls into the, the contact. Now, I'm not saying that Ben Long didn't think it was going to happen. He obviously knew that he was going to collect <laughs> Sean Darcy on the way, but <laughs> he could have really hurt him if he wanted to. He could have actually tucked his shoulder in And went for him with his shoulder And put him into next week He kind of did anyway With his back and his butt But I'm not really sure It deserves that sort of attention
1: Athlete butts aren't like normal butts It's like you smack an athlete's butt And you'll break your hand So
0: Jeez, if someone ran into mine they'd be lucky not to get stuck there (laughs) (laughs) Anyway You're pure muscle They're saying that he'll probably get Three weeks I think there's been a recommendation Three weeks Sounds a bit like a witch hunt to me But You know Sounds like they're sentencing him Before he even gets a trial The next one
1: I mean Someone gets in trouble for Pretending Or mocking someone Who had COVID And another person gets Three weeks for Somebody running to his butt Yes well (laughs) Football's amazing We've
0: known a few people Over the journey Whose butts are deadly weapons So (laughs) No names No names Now Dylan Sheel we saw him. We spoke about him before. Do you know who Dylan Shield is? No. We spoke about him like ten minutes ago. Yes. You, yes, you do. So he was cited and has been offered a two-game suspension for running past the ball and hitting the young North Melbourne player. And you said to me when I showed you the footage, "Oh, that seems rather unnecessary." Did I? Yeah, you did. It sounds like something you'd say, doesn't it?
1: It does. It does actually. Because
0: <laughs> it was completely unnecessary. At that stage, the game was gone. Dylan Scheel had been towed up by Luke McDonald, and yeah, he was pretty frustrated. I actually think this action was worse than the previous one of Ben Long's, because Scheel has, has deliberately tucked his arm in, he's run past the ball, and he's hit a guy right in the chin. Now Curtis Taylor came back on the ground after, oh I don't know, 15 minutes I think they have to stay off for. So what will happen is, or what has happened, is they've deemed that impact lower. This is a bit of a problem with the system because in the AFL they use the result as the determinant for the suspension. So if you punched me in the face and I was a bit of a weak prick and I got completely knocked out and you punched someone else in the face and they just kind of stood there, the penalty for the same action would be more for my case and less for the other guy's case because I'm weaker. Hmm. Same action, same intention less penalty for the the other guy. Punch, punch. I'm not sure that that should be the determinant. But anyway, the last one was uh, Brad Ebert on Harry Perryman, where he kind of just almost speared across. Perryman had his eyes on the ball, was running to, to grab it, running to grab it, I said. And Brad Ebert has just speared across and collected him right in the chin with his shoulder. Now, Perryman got up as well. Because that happened today, there won't be any... To any discussion around how, how long until tomorrow So by the time you're hearing this He'll most likely be offered like six weeks No I doubt he would probably get a week for that one The last one was uh, I didn't show you this picture But Marlon Pickett The guy who played his first game in the grand final last year mm-hmm. Put a really kind of mm, half assed late hit on Isaac Heaney After Heaney had kicked the football And clipped him on the chin with his shoulder by the look of it Heaney he went down, he continued to play as well. But it's still a late hit and he knew what he was doing. So I think that one should probably get a week as well. That said, I just want to say I really loved all the hard hits on the weekend. <laughs> it's not, not that I want people to get injured, I just like if if there was a gladiator fight still, I'd probably go. i am barric for the actually. lions. Go lions, go, kill those people. <laughs> you know, who's the big you know, the main gladiator? In, in what? In any game you've ever played.
1: I've got no idea.
0: Or <laughs> the yeah. Sometimes in a, in a video game, my back for the bosses. Aww. Like you're playing, I'm like, wow, this boss is really cool. Look at the way he just disposes of everybody. Oh, now I have to kill him. I don't mind a bit of a uh, gladiatorial combat out there.
1: As long as it's not in here.
0: What in our spare room?
1: <laughs> Under the loft bed. <laughs> Under
0: the loft bed at the Mungrel Studios, luxuriously ap- appointed. <laughs> Anyway, I, I don't mind a bit of uh, argy-bargy in football. I don't like when people obviously get knocked out. But when it's an accident, or when it's probably a lesser action than some of the ones that didn't knock people out, I don't think people should be drawn and courted for it. Now, I spoke to you at the, at the outset about uh, the scoring drought at the moment in the AFL. and uh,
1: Before you say anything.
0: No, what, Who?
1: Oh, let's have a cry about the women not scoring much. Oh, you've been, you've been <laughs> saving that one up, haven't you? I'm going to bring it out every time there's a low-scoring men's game.
0: Well, today, Sydney Swans scored 24 points for the whole game. 24. That's mm. th- Now, they played in the wet, right? And that, that could be used as the excuse slash reason. Richmond won with 36 points, so a, an aggregate of 60 points for two teams. That is an aflw score and that's the sort of thing that people have been harping on about for quite a while that oh they don't score oh they can't do this can kind are they now well,
1: having shorter games they are like the women yes oh
0: they're also coming off a shorter preparation
1: like the women mm. there you go shove it up your butts everybody
0: well you've uh you've come in hot today haven't you <laughs> Anyway, they weren't the only team... Past my bedtime. (laughs) Yeah, this this could go really, really bad, guys. Um, The the other... like Hawthorne scored 27 points on Friday night as well. At three-quarter time, they had 14 points. So they basically doubled their score in the last quarter. It was the lowest score for a Hawthorne team under their current coach, and he's been there for... Oh, jeez, I want to say about 15 years now. Be close, too. So that's absolutely terrible. Alistair Clarkson, well done. Mm Mm-hmm. So if he's the master coach, what does that make Nathan Buckley that held him to 27 points on Friday night? Adelaide had 34 points for the game. They had 21 points at three-quarter time. GWS had 46 points for the game. So what are the factors here that people will blame for the low scoring? What do you reckon they are? Weather. Stress from
1: COVID. Um,
0: Stress from COVID? They
1: haven't got it, have they? Oh, look, they're just stressed about it.
0: In case they get it
1: In case they get it
0: Whether the umpires have got it
1: Who knows Are they allowed to mock people who have
0: it So let's talk about the weather Alright, because that's a, that's a fascinating topic <laughs> <laughs> So, if the weather is a problem Why were Carlton and the Bulldogs Able to put on such a good game of football With an aggregate score of, let's just say, 140 one, Maybe 150, I don't know the the end score Why were they able to do that? And Richmond and the Swans are able to score 60 points between them, both in wet weather. Any ideas? No. I don't think it's the weather. So is it... (laughs) I mean, how are the goals being scored? In some of those games, there were several goals scored by 50-metre penalty. So something happened at 70 metres out from goal. 50-metre penalty puts them within almost unmissable range. And they kick that. Mark's on the lead... Are barely well, they're basically non-existent now. You know, people just bombing it forward. There seems to be really no forward structure. I wonder whether players are just really, really tired. They're not putting in the work, or they're putting in too much work defensively. And they've just got nothing left when the ball goes forward. They're stacking their defence. John Longmire, Sydney Swans coach, kind of got a bit of a broadside from Damien Hardwick, Mrs. Hardwick's husband.
1: Love it. Yep.
0: He basically said... And this might be a slight exaggeration, right, from him, but he said it's really hard to score. We were never they were never gonna score against us and we found it really hard to score with seventy five thousand people in our forward fifty. So he was basically accusing Longmire and the Swans of flooding back and putting every player they had in the rich in the Richmond attacking zone. So when they kick the ball in, it's like twelve on twenty two. Is that just tactics? Or eighteen. Yes, but that's that's what the problem is at the moment. So people are complaining there's, it's too defensive, it's not, there's not enough scoring, and these scores are you know evident of that. So if there's not enough scoring, they really can't get the ball close to goal, there's no big marks, there's no free-flowing play, the ball just kind of gets stuck there and they kick it back, kick it back, kick it back, kick it out. It's very much like soccer. I was so, just about
1: to say that, and I thought, oh, we'll get mm, in trouble.
0: Well, in soccer it is very tactical, and if you go up two goals... You just want to win the game, so you don't need to continue to score. So what you continue to do is throw people behind the ball, and it's called parking the bus. You park the bus, then they can't kick the ball past it. So now we're seeing that employed in the AFL, and it's not a new thing, but it just seems to be compounded by, you know, continued low scoring, and it's uh, it's not a good look. So I reckon it's the coaching, if we're looking at what the problem is, and unless you can have people come into a room. All these experts, all these people who mean well, like, a, like an old person, oh, oh they mean well.
1: Oh, before you said that, I was thinking, oh, like me. <laughs> you often don't <laughs> mean Expert well. Expert in
0: the room, yeah, that's true. <laughs> so you have, you have all these people come into the room, they concoct these ideas about, here's how we increase scoring, here's how we make the game more appealing, here's how we do this, here's how we do that. Unless the actual coaches come on board and actually want to create a product That is more attractive and they don't want to coach defensively then there's going to be no point because the coaches control the game if they want everyone to kick down the line and you know make sure they get another stoppage that's one of the big problems in football so when they kick inside 50 you know when they're running forward and there's a contest down in front of goal instead of kicking it to the top of the square where you'll get a one-on-one kind of contest they kick it towards the boundary and they think, well, if we lose this contest, at least we'll go out of bounds and we get a throw-in and another chance to score. So it's almost coaching not to win. Sorry, not... not. It's almost coaching so they don't lose rather than coaching to win.
1: It's depressing.
0: Yeah, well, it's it doesn't make for, for a spectacle. I heard someone, a summer analyst, I can't remember who it was, and I think there might have been an article generated from it saying that I think that the problem is the way the game's covered on TV. And I was thinking, what the hell how Wait, is the that? that
1: analyst generated an article, or you did?
0: No, I didn't write it. I just read it. Oh. For once. <laughs> um, but they were basically saying that the way the game's covered hasn't, been, hasn't changed in you know, 60 years, and that's part of the problem. And I'm not really sure how that can constitute part of the problem when the coverage doesn't dictate the way the game is played. The way the game's played probably dictates the way it's covered. So they've got a bit of work to do, and it has to start with the coaches. And again, thank God for the Western Bulldogs and Carlton game, because that really pulled this round out of the fire. They were pretty poor. So you would have noticed over the course of the weekend, Mrs. Mungrel, with your keen, attentive gaze cast over the television so often, <laughs> that there was a, a basically a new tackling interpretation implemented this week. A much harsher version, so that when a player doesn't make a really decent effort to get rid of the ball uh, irrespective of how much opportunity they had, they were getting ping for holding the ball. This is on the heels of Alistair Clarkson a couple of weeks ago saying we laid sixty something tackles and got one holding the ball. it creates a terrible spectacle, so on and so forth
1: so wait 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 oh, no, so one guy tackles another guy mm-hmm. And first guy is clutching onto the ball for dear life. Yep. That's.
0: It awesome. should be holding the ball. Oh, okay. So if you have any prior opportunity to get rid of the ball and you choose not to, and then you're tackled, it should be holding the ball. So what they've done is tighten that up. So what they were trying to do beforehand, they're giving everyone the benefit of the doubt. They're holding the ball. They were getting, you know, falling onto the ground, clutching onto it with one hand, punching their own hand with the other hand, You know, <laughs> pretending, basically pretending. That's so they, great. they really cracked down on that. And there was this outcry. A guy named Jared Healy, who is a Brownlow medalist and commentates for Fox, I believe. He's was... the
1: guy with the silver hair, isn't he? Yeah, yeah, the mm. silver
0: fox. He's a silver fox. But he's got a massive ball patch at the back. So he's like a silver fox that a plane landed on his head. Anyway.
1: Damn, it's the only silver fox, even though he's not silver. He's Thank a blonde silver fox.
0: He is. He's a red fox, really. Love he's got that. red hair. Wonderful. But he dies of blonde. So... Jared was getting all upset about people Not having prior opportunity and so on and so forth I didn't mind it You know, if you If you take possession of the ball And and your prime objective is to hold it in while you get tackled And cause a stoppage Then I'm all for, you know, holding the ball for those people If they're not looking at moving the ball on They're basically just trying to create another ball up Where they can do exactly the same thing again Until they get a, a clean possession well Then go for it Ping them every time And if they're yeah, if if people think it, it deters people from taking possession, I can kind of see how you'd think that, because you know, if you if you had the choice, would you rather be the tackler or the tacklee?
1: <laughs> Come on, I know it's nine thirty,
0: but uh, you know, get it's your mind out so of the much gutter. Tackle going on. It's a real tackle fest here tonight. <laughs> <laughs> so what, what who would you rather be? The guy tackling or the guy getting tackled?
1: Oh, the guy tackling. Yeah. Because mm. so, I've seen when you run at me to try and tackle me and I just scream because oh my
0: God, that's not spousal. This was while we were playing football <laughs> at the park. The stuff in our bedroom shall not appear on this podcast. <laughs> Unless you guys really wanted to you know send send Depend, an email.
1: <laughs> depends how our ratings go.
0: Yeah, well, you know, if we get a, more than a thousand downloads, then um, we may have to keep it a bit cleaner. Um, but yeah, you you can look at the way that that's being umpired and think, well, it rewards the tackler too much. But holding onto the ball and not moving it on and not trying to dispose of it, that should be, I think, anyway, that should be penalised. Obviously, me and Jared need to sit down and uh, have a bit of a chat about it. As the weekend went on, though, it seemed to actually morph back a little bit towards a little bit more leniency for the ball carrier. So. I really felt sorry for the guys on you know, Thursday night, Friday night, who were getting smashed every time they, they got locked up with the ball. By the time Sunday rolls around, it's like, oh, I'll give you the benefit of the doubt again. It's not holding the ball anymore. And I'm like, when you make a decision to tweak a rule, stick to it.
1: Yeah. Like toddlers, you need consistency all the way through. Is
0: that, why we, is that why we parent our child completely different? I was just thinking <laughs> we're doing such an average job. Yes, well, we're, we're good at being average, though. On the, Excellent On the scale of, you know, terribly average We're to not bad Pretty pretty average, we're mm. pretty average But not terribly average <laughs> So yeah, I watched some old games whilst uh, While we had the COVID break You know, while I was at work Didn't have much to do Unless my boss was listening to this In that case, I was flat out <laughs> But I had put a couple in on the computer And just let them play While I was busily doing other stuff And the amount of times they would pay Holding the ball quickly for a guy not really moving the ball on, it was actually quite amazing. Uh, I suppose if you look at the free count, free kick counts from back then, you'll notice that there wasn't as many at times. That's because players got rid of the damn ball. They knew if they got tackled with it, they're in trouble. So it was very interesting to watch that. You would have liked the Riley O'Brien and Nick Nat byplay during the week, where Riley O'Brien accidentally sent out a, a a tweet, I think it was. It
1: was. I like that it became a non-event because everyone was very civilized about it. And...
0: Well, he got a new phone out of it. Yeah, Nick that's Nap, pretty good. Nick Nat got it. He didn't buy it, but he got it donated from Telstra. Free advertising for Telstra. Telstra. Please send us some money. <laughs> Just uh, a new Samsung. Man after my own heart. Yep. So he was uh, he was given a new, new phone because apparently after it was revealed to him that he actually tweeted his game plan against Nicknat he threw his phone against the wall. Because that's what you do, right? It's the phone's fault. Yeah Yeah, I often do that I've, I've beaten up on my phone before Well, you drop yours on the <laughs> floor at least twice a day I've never known someone to drop their phone as much as you And even, I'm, I'm counting our three-year-old here
1: I am so clumsy She doesn't it's drop terrible. her pretend phone
0: as much as you drop your real one It's true So, with Riley O'Brien, I'm not sure if I'm on an island here But I actually liked what he brought to the table against Nata Nui. I know people were saying that Natanui won the hitouts. he gave his midfielders first opportunity. But if we go through what Rayleigh O'Brien said, he said he's going to run off him hard, have a field day getting the ball, marking everything. Which is... That's you know, just
1: psyching himself up, isn't it?
0: It is. It's telling himself what he wants himself yeah. to do. So I was looking at that and I was thinking he didn't mention anything about the ruck at all. Because I think he knew that Nick Nat is... Well, he's got it all over him in the ruck. As, as he does against most people With Nick Nat's athleticism and his leap He's going to win most of the touches in the ruck So there was no real mention of the actual ruck contests And I reckon that Riley O'Brien knew That there was no way he was going to get his hand on the ball more than Nata Nui So he didn't really mention any of that in his tweet slash note at all But when you look at what he did say He actually ran around and got 19 touches He had 9 marks So he actually did what he said he was going to do So he ran off Nadanui, he got more of the ball, he took way more marks. Nadanui had seven touches for the game. O'Brien's 19-dwarf, his output. Nadanui wins the ruck, which you'd expect. But I wonder whether this is the perception of Natanui in the league right now. O'Brien just gave it voice via (laughs) via a tweet. (laughs) But I wonder whether people look at him and go like, When I play against this guy, if I run hard, he doesn't come with me. If I run hard, I can get a heap of the footy and... You know, he'll
1: be nowhere to be yeah, seen.
0: Yeah, he'll kind of hover around the middle. He might push forward here and there. But he doesn't work hard into defence. I can, and if I do that, I will get plenty of the footy and beat him around the ground. I feel
1: so bad for O'Brien, though, even, even though it all worked out well. I mean, oh he's obviously just given himself a massive motivational, you know...
0: A, a G up. Yeah. <laughs> it's backfired on him.
1: It's the equivalent of me going, I'm going to go into that meeting, and I'm going to tell that person to sack up, and then I'm going to flip the table, and... Storm out. How <laughs> often
0: do you do, you do that?
1: <laughs> Never. I just sit there <laughs> yeah. thinking about what I'm going to eat for dinner.
0: Well, what, what, are you, what are you going to eat for dinner? Second dinner. Second dinner's looking good. We had fish and chips tonight, people. It was a wonderfully nutritious meal.
1: Mine was pretty good.
0: You actually you cooked your own fish. You're a nut. So Nananui wins the game. <laughs> so all's well that ends well. Because Nick Nat wins. He gets to do the, the benevolent gesture. Go over and hand him a phone. I'm wondering if Adelaide had a got up there. What happens then?
1: Nick Nat keeps the phone. Yeah, uh.
0: he probably smashes it. Probably sends a message to, or tweets, and then smashes it on the wall. <laughs> because uh, I, I was I was quite surprised that everyone was so adamant that Nick Nat beat Riley O'Brien. I think the the result kind of sways that. But O'Brien more than held his own. So I've got a quick top five players of the week for you, Mrs. Mungrel. Mm. You've got to tell me which of these names you actually know. Yep. So Sam Menegola, who I actually was calling like Todd for for like two years at one stage. (laughs) (laughs) Anyway, he's been playing on the wing for Geelong. In the last three weeks, he's had some massive numbers for Geelong. This week he had 26 touches and two goals. He ran at 92% efficiency. The, The two weeks prior saw him at 23 and a goal against Gold Coast and 25 touches against Melbourne. What's happened on the weekend is... I heard the the girl who does the Saturday reviews or whatever it is with Fox Footy talking about Mitch Duncan, who plays at Geelong as well, and saying he's the number one ranked wingman in the game. Now, she's obviously got her, her um, numbers and her breakdown from champion data because at the start of the season, they say, this person plays here, and that's it. They don't change it. Ooh. So Mitch Duncan did start playing in, on the wing I know they the change
1: year. because it's a pain in the ass for stats
0: They don't change Oh, you, oh, they do the players, change yeah. yeah, they do change But Champion Data doesn't change their assessment Interesting So they release all this thing about every player And they would have released at the start of the year Because I, I won't buy their stuff anymore I think it's rather rubbish They released what? Mitch Duncan is a wingman And so every time he's assessed now He's assessed as a wingman Even if he's not playing that role So they said he's the number one ranked wingman in the league when he got injured. And I'm like, no, he's not even playing in the wing anymore. So he's playing really well as a midfielder, but he's not playing on the wing. This bloke, Sam Menagola, is playing on the wing, and he's doing a bang-up job. And Mitch Duncan's getting the credit as the number one ranked wingman in the competition. We have a wingman ranking at the Punt, Cheap plug. And Menegola had moved up to number four last week overall. After this week, I reckon he might be given the top two a shake. i oh, am bit so.
1: disgusted by uh, that inability to...
0: To be adaptable? To
1: be adaptable, yeah. yeah. yeah.
0: So I think her name's Kath Lochnan. She should probably look into things a little bit more before she starts spouting out about how good Mitch Duncan is on, on the wing. Because if you watch the games, you would see that he's actually Ke- not playing there. Careful
1: there. Careful there, because we're not going to look into things before we spout off. So don't well, get any why, why break with tradition? <laughs>
0: second player darcy moore absolutely smashed the Is he, from collingwood? he is from collingwood does he have blonde hair he used to he used to look a hell of a lot like um Kieran knightley. knightley look at me he still does but he just a little bit less anyway he's probably the the front runner for the all australian center halfback position at the moment he was like a brick wall back there and not just in his looks he, uh, he repelled a heap of attacks. He played on Jack Gunston and really shut him down. And uh, as a Hawthorne supporter, I was pretty, pretty, pretty annoyed that we kept kicking the ball straight to him. Christian Petrarca, the man with the glistening thighs. <laughs> he's he's arrived, this guy. And people, you know, if he had played Gold Coast last year and did this, people would have said, oh, he was only playing Gold Coast. You can't say that about Gold Coast anymore. There. They're legitimately going to fight out every game this year. And whether they win again or not, that doesn't really matter. They've really made a statement. So Christian Petrarca, the number one midfielder on the ground, 25 touches and two goals. He had 15 contested possessions, which is fantastic. Six clearances. He was the man, and he's come of age.
1: You were telling me about the other guy that has great thighs.
0: How did I manage that? It was... uh, You were talking about... I was talking about Petrarca, yeah. and you said, oh, the guy with the big thighs, and I'm like... And then he sat down, and you're like, oh, they don't look that big. No, <laughs> like,
1: no, I said, oh, why are they showing us that view? <laughs> well, he
0: had his legs open on the bench, guys. <laughs> Mrs. Mungrel uh, got her attention a little bit.
1: Yeah, I'm a shocker.
0: The other guy is Ollie Wines, so they call him Quadzilla. Quadzilla. And so when we, it. when we get a good picture of him sitting you on point, the bench, yeah, you <laughs> point him to, out to me. I'll do it. <laughs> Todd Goldstein played in The Loss... But he's far and away the best Ruckman in the competition this year. 17.2 disposals a game. And uh, I, I hate to think where, where North would be without him this year. They've lost three on the trot, I think. Yeah, I think it's three on the trot. But he's been absolutely fantastic. He played in a bloke called Andrew Phillips, who was wonderful the week before and took it right up to Brody Grundy. This week, Goldstein just ran him ragged. It was all over the place, took a heap of marks, got a heap of the ball, and he's been fantastic, Michael Walters.
1: It just sounds like a really old shoemaker.
0: Michael Walters, I love it. Yeah. Take your take your runners down to get them cobbled. Yeah. <laughs> Michael Walters, cobbler. <laughs> so he was, you know, he kicked the ball the wrong way at the start of the game.
1: Oh, that guy. Oh dear, yeah.
0: No, don't oh dear him. Really? He's,
1: did he did he get it? Make an embarrassed person come back?
0: No, he just made a bit of a confused face. So Michael Walters is the sort of player that you either love at times or you hate at times. So I think it was last week I spoke about how often he was trying to duck to get free kicks. He was you know, throwing his head back like he'd yep. been shot, was flailing around like... Yeah, his arms were flailing around that much. He looked like one of those inflatable <laughs> you know, things out the front of Godfrey's vacuum cleaners. <laughs> Usually that's what Brent Brown looks like, but... This week, it was Mike, that week it was Michael Walters. Anyway, this week, when the game was on the line, he basically played both hero and villain for Fremantle. So he was everywhere in that last quarter doing some amazing things, running back with the flight of the ball. He was kicking the ball inside 50. He was winning it in the contest. And then for some reason, he decided to wander over the mark as one of the St. Kilda players had the ball about 70 meters out and gave away a 50-meter penalty. It looked like he was going to cost them the game. Does
1: that game. mean they go to the fifty meter mark, or does that mean they
0: fifty go meters from the fifty point. meters from where they were? Yeah, yeah. <gasps> so I brought him within goal scoring range, and it looked like he might really cost them. Well, he didn't. They went down the other end. He was involved again, and a kid called Lockie Schultz, Sergeant Schultz, who doesn't know nothing. <laughs> Do you know that from Hogan's Heroes?
1: Yes, I used to watch that. There um, you go. Stay home from school. Well, well,
0: the age gap's not that big, is it? <laughs> So he kicked a goal and won the game for Frio. Uh, there was a great, great comeback, particularly with Nat Fife up at full forward and looked like he was, you know, clearly hampered and couldn't get around. Last player, I didn't put on your note, so you don't know who it is. It's a bloke called Ed Kerno, and I just watched him play. Another bloke we really like, Bailey Smith with the mullet. Oh. He oh. was having a ripping game in this game we just watched.
1: Is that the one your daughter was talking about?
0: Yeah. Why does my daughter say people think he's attractive? Oh, that was great. Who, blind people?
1: You say? She was saying that all the girls love him. Like, absolutely love him. And I got confused as to who she was talking about because I thought, surely not. Then she said, plenty looks like he's got eight different haircuts all at once.
0: Yeah. <laughs> he does.
1: That was great.
0: So he was having a ripping game. He had 19 touches in the first half. And then enough was enough for Carlton. They threw they threw Ed Kerno on him at halftime. In the second half, Bailey Smith only had seven touches. So Ed Kerno put the brakes on him, wouldn't allow him to run, wouldn't allow him to get free reign at clearances and stuff. Because prior to that in the first half, Bailey Smith was running with Patrick Cripps. And he was giving him enormous headaches. Cripps looked like he hurt his shoulder at one point, And he obviously was playing in a bit of pain. Bailey Smith was like, yes, he was licking his lips. He thought, this is going to be easy, I'm going to run off him I'm going to do what I want And then Charlie Curno arrived on the scene Ed Curno, sorry, arrived on the scene And basically said, no, not on my watch And if you're looking for reasons why Carlton kicked away Once again, Ed Curnow should get a lot of credit But he won't, because he plays a negating role It'd be interesting to see how he goes in the defensive rankings this week Because I was paying particular attention to the way he shut Bailey Smith down So, Mrs. Mungrel, where to next? We only have, uh, I think, games across Thursday, Friday, Saturday, Sunday, and Monday, this roundup coming.
1: Oh, great. Great. That's fantastic.
0: So Thursday night, Cats and the Pies in WA. Well, they haven't got any corona cases really over there yet.
1: Well, we just sent all those Victorians up.
0: Well, who knows what (laughs) will happen next. Sorry, guys, in advance. Friday night, the Dogs and the Bombers. The Bombers are flying. They're 4-1, and, and they got a game in hand because they had that game cancelled. The Bulldogs, they started pretty well today. Well, actually, no, they didn't. They started moderately well, fought back a little bit in the second quarter, and then the Blues kicked away. So the Dogs are pretty up and down, and Friday night footy, I think everyone seems to have a rivalry with the Bombers. The Dogs don't like them that much. North Melbourne don't like them that much. Hawthorne don't like them. Carlton hate them. Collingwood would have The Anzac No one likes Essendon
1: Essendon
0: Why don't you like him
1: I think I've just got House envy You know Yeah we wouldn't mind Living in Essendon My physio's in Essendon
0: I hate that physio (laughs) (laughs) They cost a lot of money They do So I remember Dermot Brereton Talking about Talking about Essendon And he said We don't hate them For who they are We hate them For what they stand for And they said What do they stand for He goes I don't know (laughs) (laughs)
1: <laughs> Did he really? It
0: was just what he was taught. <laughs> Saturday, the Giants and the Lions will be a cracker as well. Sydney versus Gold Coast is probably the game that holds uh, moderate if low interest for people, given where they are on the ladder at the moment. Tigers are north. You'd be thinking that if north don't uh, pull their finger out, their season will be gone. The Tigers are playing severely under men and was st- still good enough to beat Sydney pretty handily. When I say pretty handily, you know, 36 to... Twenty four is pretty handily, or thirty four to twenty six. <laughs> That'll do. Yeah, uh, you've got the Blues and Port Adelaide, which will be very interesting. Given the Blues are up and about, and Port are they were fantastic this week, knocking over the Giants. You got the Hawks and the D's, which just makes me sad because I think Melbourne are probably going to get Hawthorne. The way we're playing, we were we were deplorable Who on do Friday I work night from Melbourne. Max Gorn. Who else? Clayton Oliver.
1: <gasps> I do like Clayton Oliver. Okay. All right.
0: Christian Petrarca. Oh, yeah. Are you going to change teams?
1: I don't... know. I always prefer the Hawks, but I'm also very fickle, so... You are. Sometimes.
0: Yes. You're like an NBA fan. NBA fans follow players, and people from other codes follow teams. Yeah, that's me. That changed in about the 1990s in the NBA. People used to follow their teams, and then... Free agency and trades happen so often that people started becoming more loyal to players than they did to teams. And I don't know that's a good good thing, but look at you. I do what I want. You're a child of the 90s. <laughs> you got the Western Derby as well. So that's Fremantle against West Coast. And Fremantle won two in a row. West Coast, they look at Fremantle like the little brother. And they like to beat up the little brother. Once in a while, Fremantle rises up for a few years there, early 2010s. Yeah, Fremantle were pretty good And now they've reverted back to getting beat by the big brother So I wouldn't mind seeing Freo throw a bit of weight around And see if they can actually pull a win out there Lastly, on Monday night, you've got the Crows and the Saints Now, looking at this, you'd think St Kilda by how much, right? But this is being played at Adelaide So they're heading back to Adelaide to play this one And I'm like, are the Crows a different prospect at Adelaide Oval? Are they? Well, they're the same team but maybe they play with, you know, maybe they walk a little bit taller over there. They've gone home. They're a bit more relaxed. There, the but
1: Adelaide people like
0: them. Adelaide are a big club. Yeah. Adelaide have got so many more fans than St Kilda, it's not funny. It's just that they're playing really, really shit. So people aren't as passionate, obviously, when they're playing really, really shit. So, guys, we might leave it there for this week. Mrs. Mungrel really got a little bit of editing to do, and then she's got to drift off to sleep. She probably should have been gone about hmm, 25 minutes ago. She At likes, least. She likes to read her phone in bed for a little while before she just passes out. And, uh,
1: <laughs> you make me sound like a, an old drunk. <laughs> yeah, she's
0: usually got like a bag of chips under one arm and a bottle of Coke under the other. She doesn't like to move a lot. <laughs> so guys, we'll catch you next week. Have a good one.